Hello again, and welcome to CMS On Air, the podcast on migration, refugee, and population issues, brought to you by the Center for Migration Studies of New York. I am Rachel Reyes, CMS's Director of Communications. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Kevin Appleby, who, on January 1st, 2016, joined us here at CMS and our umbrella organization, the Scalabrini International Migration Network, as Senior Director of International Migration Policy. The Scalabrini International Migration Network is a global network of more than 270 entities around the world that provides services to migrants, including shelters and welcoming centers in receiving communities. Prior to joining us, Kevin served for more than 16 years as the Director of Migration Policy and Public Affairs for the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. He has also worked as Deputy Director of the Maryland Catholic Conference in Annapolis, Maryland, and worked for Senator Russell Long of Louisiana and select committees of the U.S. Senate, including the Senate Select Committee on the Iran-Contra Affair. Kevin has testified before Congress on immigration issues and represented the U.S. Catholic bishops on these issues at public events and with the media. He is co-editor of the volume On Strangers No Longer, Perspectives on the U.S.-Mexican Catholic Bishop's Pastoral Letter on Migration. In this podcast, Kevin discusses his new role and speaks to some of the migration and refugee issues at the forefront of today's news headlines. Welcome, Kevin, and thank you so much for joining me today and coming on board at the Center for Migration Studies of New York and the Scalabrini International Migration Network as our new Senior Director of International Migration Policy. So let's begin with some questions. We are at a crucial period for global migration. The UN has said that 60 million persons are displaced, the highest level since World War II. In your work, how do you promote policy solutions to an issue which is so enormous and seemingly intractable? Well, thanks, Rachel, for the question. And I'd like to say up front that I'm happy to be here with uh, Center for Migration Studies and the Scalabrini International Migration Network. I'm looking forward to my work in promoting uh, policies which uh, provide human rights and human justice to uh, to migrants around the world. Your question's a tough one. Um, you know, we are at a point in our history um, where there are a large number of migrants, refugees, asylum seekers around the world, and the um, and the, the world really doesn't know how to, to respond to it. Um, we see Syrian refugees coming out of the Middle East, we see Central Americans uh, coming out of the Northern Triangle countries. We see refugee flows in parts of Africa and Asia that go unmitigated. So uh, we need to, to, first of all, I think, uh, try to create an atmosphere where there will be a renewed commitment to protection by countries around the world. Um, there needs to be a focus on this issue because it's starting to really impact the stability of of of, uh, of the the global system in a lot of ways. Um, we see that certainly with how the Syrian refugees have uh, flowed out of their conflict and into Europe, um, and, but we see that in other parts of the world. And countries and governments just really don't know how to respond to it um, in an effective way. Of course, you have to look at the root causes of conflict and and poverty and and make long-term progress on that. But you also need to ensure that there's an international protection system that works. Um, So I think uh, a renewed commitment to this issue um, by the world community, um, how to look at the long-term causes, but also ensure that people have protection, it, it should be a priority. Uh, for the United Nations and for the global community. 
And you say that we need a international protection system that works. In your opinion, is the international protection scheme that is in place sufficient to address the needs of this immense population? Well, I think at a minimum, it needs to be looked at and examined. And I know Center for Migration Studies will be having uh, a conference in, in the summer, in July, to look at some alternative methods for enhancing the protection system around the world. But the numbers are so overwhelming and the resources are limited um, in terms of dealing with the problem uh, that uh, the whole, every aspect of the system, um, of the international protection system, including asylum and refugee protection, uh, needs to be reexamined. And we need to find ways to to protect people better where they are. In a second, uh, in a in a country of first asylum, for example, and ensure that they can um, be self-sufficient in those areas. I mean, one idea which has been thrown out is the idea of coupling refugee protection with human development, um, development assistance, and that's an idea that's being considered um, in different fora around the world. Whether that's the way to go or other ways to go uh, is yet to be determined, but the issue, I think, is that it needs to be examined uh, because we're at a point where um, we have 60 million displaced, as you mentioned, and the response from the world community has been slow at best and and tepid. So um, we really need to, to look at the system and see how it can be improved. Migration issues are front and center in the, in the United States as well, from Syrian refugees to Central American asylum seekers. How should our leaders address these issues? Well, the one, the one um, unfortunate thing about U.S. domestic uh, policy toward immigration is that it's easily politicized. Um, we see that certainly in the presidential uh, race to date, where immigrants and even refugees are sort of a flashpoint for the candidates. Um, so it's an issue that, that is easily uh, can become controversial. Um, so it's difficult at times to get to that compromise which balances enforcement with uh, human rights and due process protections. Um, so often you have a policy that is, is uneven um, at best. Um, I like to say that the U.S. immigration system uh, is incongruent and what do I mean by that? There's uh, a keep out sign at our border, but there's a help wanted sign at the workplace. And we need to make that um, more in sync, where we create a system, a legal system, where people can come and work uh, legally through legal avenues in a safe and orderly manner so that we know who they are and where they're going, but also that we can... Um, benefit from their hard work and the, and they in turn can benefit from working in our economy um, but of course comprehensive immigration reform has uh, hit roadblocks over the years um, over the last 10 years there's been three attempts to reform the system and all have uh, eventually failed so um, what is needed is a, is a change in how how the the issue is looked at um, that it's not used as a as a political wedge issue, for example, and that our elected leaders uh, roll up their sleeves and solve the problem. And I don't think the political will has been there to do that to date. Um, you know, I like to say uh, that it's uh, 
a situation where if it's broke, don't fix it because, you know, we're still able to get our groceries at the grocery store. We're still able to have our mows, our, our lawns mowed and we have our kids taken care of. Um, so why rock the boat? But in that scenario, it's the migrants and their families that, that can suffer uh, because of exploitation, because of abuse, because they die in the def- desert trying to get here. So there's a, there's a macro issue here where our government and other governments in the region need to work together so that there's a system, a migration system, where people can come legally, that they don't have to risk their lives in order to support their families. And I think that can be done, and I think it would serve the best interest of our country because we'd be a, better be able to control the situation and control who's coming and why they're coming. So, But the political will's not there yet. We just have to keep working. So let's turn to um, an issue that's very recently made the news. Uh, This new year has just begun, but we've already seen that the Obama administration has launched enforcement actions against families escaping violence in Central America. What do you think is the reasoning behind these actions? Well, for many of us, uh, it's curious. First of all, in the timing, um, it started over the holiday season. But secondly... um, what the rationale is. Um, I think part it's in response, and and the administration has admitted this, that uh, it is a response to the increase in numbers over the last three to four months where the numbers of families and children arriving at our southern border have more than doubled over the the same time period in 2014. Um, And that the administration had to send a signal, if you will, to those in Central America fleeing violence that they cannot come to the U.S. and not and remain. That if um, they are judged not to be asylum seekers, then they will be returned. Um, the problem with that policy is, is multifold. First of all, the tactics that were used in the raids were unnecessary and created fear in the Latino community, uh, which I don't think probably was the goal of the policy from the beginning. But that's been one of the consequences, the knock at the door at night, taking kids out of bed, using deception to get into homes. These are all um, improper tactics in trying to, to apprehend someone, number one. So that created created fear. The other concern is that these mothers and children, as well as unaccompanied minors who come, really do are not well served by the U.S. asylum system. Uh, they have no real access to legal representation in the system. Um, They often do not get any orientation or training as to what their rights are. Um, Often they are unable to understand what their rights are because of the lack of translation or communication. There have been reports that families who have been detained um, have been coerced into signing documents that they shouldn't sign in terms of their deportation. So uh, what I think the advocates are saying and uh, are that, you know, you really are returning people to danger and to uh, harm and possible death in Central America, but, you know, who have not really had a real chance to tell their story before a judge and that their rights have been protected in that area. And there, you, there you're violating international law by returning them if they are refugees, um, back to their persecutors. So 
that that's a problem as well um the system is broken the asylum system is broken and and these families who are indeed vulnerable um don't always get a good chance at due process in the system um the third concern of course is um you know the fact that the administration is selecting this group for deportation um they claim that they're part of their enforcement priorities as recent arrivals, those who have arrived since January 1st, 2014. Um, but they also go under the, the, the administration follows the mantra of felons, not families. Now, these are families, and they're not a threat to us at all. They're not felons. So it's sort of contradictory for them to say these are priority removals when there are families who are not a threat. So on the one hand, the administration is protecting certain families, but on the other hand, they're deporting and actually traumatizing families who uh, who just because they came recently. Um, and these are families uh, that are being deported that deserve higher scrutiny, frankly, than someone who may have come, uh, may have been in the country for five years or longer, which is what DAPA does, the Deferred Action for Parents of Americans program targets. Um, that those who have recently arrived should have higher scrutiny and deserve more protection because they are indeed flying, fleeing violence. So the advocate's point is, you know, the priorities are screwed up, um, that these are vulnerable families that many of whom have real claims, and the fact that they came recent is immaterial um, to, to, uh, to the issue. What needs to be done to ensure that asylum seekers receive due process? So, um, of course, we've seen controversy over over these these raids. Um, uh, Democrats in the House and and some in the Senate have opposed it strongly, um, and we'll see where 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 the policy goes. Hopefully, there will be a pause or a suspension of the raids until such time as as uh, due process protections can be ensured, or that those who are deported, that the administration ensures that they did indeed get uh, access to a judge, they had legal representation, they were able to appeal their decision, uh, that every part of the system is working before anyone is deported. A few days ago, the New York Times reported that the Obama administration would announce a new refugee processing program for refugees in Central America. What do you think of this new initiative? The bright light, I think, is that an expansion of refugee resettlement in the region. The details are murky at the, at, for the time being, but many have urged the administration to process uh, potential refugees fleeing Central America in the region and then resettle them to different countries, including the U.S. This is the best way to go about sort of protecting this population. That way... Um, assuming that the program is effective and, and can take in certain amount of numbers, it prevents, you know, mothers and children having to rely on smugglers uh, to to go to the U.S. or to other countries. It sort of takes takes their market away. And the smugglers are the ones that are really assisting in driving this migration. So this is a, this is a good development. It offers a real chance of, of protection for these families, and it... it uh, also, it also indicates that the administration finally and significantly 
is looking at this as a refugee flow and not just an economic flow or a flow of migrants seeking work or a better life, that this is indeed predominantly a refugee flow um, and that the people in the, in the migration need to have their international rights observed and honored and need to be able to tell their stories and receive protection if they are indeed refugees. So uh, to be continued, um, hopefully the administration will think again and, uh, and suspend these deportations and, uh, and try to provide uh, legal representation and other due process protections to these mothers and, and children. One final question. So as a Catholic think tank, CMS looks at migration issues through a Catholic social teaching lens. How does that impact your work here? Well, um, it, it, it's really an asset in in being able to think about these issues through a Catholic lens. I mean, we have a, a, a Holy Father now who has been very outspoken on the issue of migration. Um, his first trip outside of Rome being to Lampedusa Island to remember those who died at sea, migrants who died at sea in the Mediterranean and try to reach Europe. So he set quite a tone on the issue and on the side of migrants. Um, so that really is, is something that it both inspires and gives guidance to those of us who work within the Catholic um, world um, to advocate for those who are on the move, if you will. I think it's helpful as well is that it, it, it gives us sort of a, a framework by which we can, you know, take positions on public policy issues. It's a well-developed teaching over hundreds of years where there's clear guideposts as to the right of the individual actually not to migrate so that they can raise their family in their home country and how those rights contrast or are in sync with the right of the sovereign to control their borders. And it'll be an interesting discussion when the Holy Father goes to Mexico in about a month and holds a mass at the U.S.-Mexico border. There'll certainly be debates over what message he's sending about borders and the rights of countries to enforce their borders and in what manner. So um, to answer your question is, is I, I think, the fact that we're a Catholic organization and, and we look at um, Catholic teaching to guide our decisions on policy matters is, is something that I think is, is helpful. Um, it, it ensures that we take the right positions on different issues. And I, and I think it's respected by policymakers, both in the United States and around the world, that that we're coming from a moral position that upholds the rights of human beings, um, their God-given rights. So uh, it, it, it's, it's something that inspires me and that, that I, I wear proudly. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this podcast, as well as joining CMS and SIM. And we look forward to working with you and featuring you again on this series. Great. Thank you, Rachel. Stay up to date with Kevin's work and the Center for Migration Studies of New York, including research projects, publications, events, and video by visiting us at cmsny.org.